I feel like I don't have as much to talk about this week except the domination of Mew. Yeah, I think that's sort of roughly about it. I think we could maybe hit some, um, I don't know, reprint discussion with, I don't know, the pe- people have have had reactions to the the new professor research reprint, I guess. I don't know. Jake Gerhardt always has like the most nuclear of takes and he's very <laughs> mad about it. And everyone else is just like, what else did you expect? <laughs> But yeah, I sort of, a, I don't know, we talk about the, I'm kind of annoyed at the, the sort of sheer laziness of Entei and Raikou. It's oh, frustrating yeah. to me. That's true. <laughs> it's just like, you know, we talk about Pokemon falling back on old, old ideas a lot, but it's usually not within the same legality standard. It's just that they're just all the same. Like, why? I miss this. What is uh? Is, is there some new part out that? Uh, uh, Entei and Raikou are just Suicune, but different colors. It's the same card. Oh, nice. Just great. I'm sure that it's just so frustrating, even from like a like just design perspective. It's just like now all of your sort of lightning and fire types have to sort of be built balanced around these cards, and it's just like. So many decks are just going to always have to worry about their bench space and things like that. And it's just, I don't know, it's it's annoying to me for a variety of reasons. Welcome to the Trash Lanch Podcast. Brent Halliburton, Mike Boucher, Britt Pibus. Same intro every week, same attendance every week, 100% attendance. We're on Twitter, Mike Boucher. At Hayeswise, at B Halliburton, you can follow us all and get more of the pod via 140 character things. Um, I'm still kind of liking the only podcast that tells Pokemon we should be the official podcast. Although I have wondered if we need have to start like, yeah. You know, the problem is if we were going to Twitch stream. We would have to commit to actually having a time. That'd be hard. Yeah, that that would be. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would almost certainly, at least for me, for now, have to be in the later time. Which yeah, I guess wouldn't. I mean, it'd probably worse for you you're at least an hour ahead right right uh we're sponsored by channel fireball uh the, the source for things like towards weekly power rankings uh, uh and we'll talk more about power rankings uh, in a few minutes so you know power rankings are super important um five star review update we have received no additional reviews but if you leave a review we will read it on the pod if you've been wondering should i leave a review i'm not the kind of person who leaves reviews you could be that person you could leave a review um uh, uh, so speaking of, it's worth uh, uh, telling you guys, I'm sure you guys have more stories than I do, probably. Several people reached out to me uh, via the Twitter DMs to say I was a, we were amongst their most popular Spotify like things of the uh, season. Um, uh, uh, one person wrote in to complain that uh, while they liked our pod better, Lake of Rage was actually in first place simply because their pods are longer. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that's almost a compliment to us. Uh, you know what? I think he took it. He took it as a compliment as well. And and like it's worth pointing out. I think um, uh, I definitely feel him. I think Lake of Rage sometimes like meanders a little bit, whereas we're like pretty scripted. And and when I'm in like post production, every time I'm like trying to get us to an hour. Like my dream pod. I've always had my dream pod is like forty five minutes 
in and out because then you're listening to it at one and a half speed and you play it in 30 minutes. I'm like, 30 minutes sounds like good. That's what you wouldn't want to listen for longer than that. So, so, you know, in an hour, it's 40 minutes. I'm like, okay, we're, we're right at the edge of the amount of attention people can pay to us. We're so, interesting, but we're not that interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, also, I wanted to talk about, um, uh, so on a related note of people sliding into my DMs, Zach Lesage wrote in because he had a bunch of comments on the top 10 discussion we had on our pod last week. Mm. And then I went and looked at his top 10 pod this week, and I wanted to tell you guys all about it because I thought that that was like the highlight of my week. So he wrote in to say, uh, there's a quote, I wanted to give you some insight on how my top 10 videos for the Trash Lynch podcast. I create a spreadsheet and give each event a value based on the amount of participants, four to 500 plus. That value trickles down with kickers. So I rank the top performing decks from first all the way to top 32 for each event, depending on participants. In the event of a close final CP for any archetype, I use my judgment to change the slots. So, so I think the moral story was when, when we kind of were propping uh, uh, Celios up for being super data-driven, he was like, I want some of that data-driven mojo too. Mm. And, and indeed, he then kind of brought that same analysis and published the CP for his top 10 video uh, this week. And, and there were a couple of things that I thought were interesting uh, uh, about that that I wanted to just uh, share with you guys if you get any reaction. Um, so first, yeah, he kind of he kind of kicks off the introducing the CP in his video by saying, a lot of people are saying, why is this deck here? Why isn't this deck here? And I was like, by a lot of people, I assume he means the Trash Lange podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe I you know, actually, that's not entirely true. Maybe that that's, that's patting myself on the back a little too hard. I'm sure he gets like a lot of YouTube comments where people are like, what are you talking about? Jolteon's the best deck in format yeah. or something like that. And he's like, so he's kind of, kind of trying to say, hey, you know, it's not my opinion. It's the data. I hear that, right? Uh, <laughs> but my reaction to that was immediately, oh, he means the podcast. <laughs> yeah. That, that, by far the funniest thing that he said in his entire top 10 was he got to uh, Gengar and he goes, I'm the only person that has been honest and said, this is a good deck. <laughs> <laughs> and yet spoiler looking at this top 10, it's not even on it. No, no, no. It was th that, that was, that was last week's top 10. Oh, that was last time. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. 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 Sorry. It was on the top 10 this time. And he was like, this has like a pretty favorable Mew matchup. And like Azul's had good results with it and stuff like that. So everybody that tells you it's bad is snowing you. I'm the only person telling you the truth, which was uh, absolutely hilarious to me. I, I, I love it. I love it. The, the, so the other thing that I realized, um, uh, so I had two, two more notes from uh, watching his top 10 podcast. Uh, first, he's expanding it to be a top 20, which I was like, it's a crazy time to be alive. I mean, I think we've always we've really talked about how there's not some iron triangle of meta right now. It's a gigantic circle with many, many points. Uh, when you're like, a top 10 just doesn't do this meta justice. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, I need I need the hard answers on where Greedent fits into things. I need the hard answers on where, like, Santa Condra is at, you know? Like, I just think of, like, the Reddit comments. Like, where do you think, what do you think of this deck? Or something like that. Why didn't you, why didn't you rank Santa Condra Cheryl or something? Why, yeah, why? Uh, but, but that's, like... I, I know what he's thinking where like 
deck 11 is not appreciably worse than deck 10. Like, it's a crazy time to be alive. We actually have a, a fair amount of viable archetypes in the meta. At a, at a certain point, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I know your, your point's a good one, right? You could be like, let's go to, you know, 21 to 25. Let's go to 50. Like, there's there's many, many archetypes, not all of the viable, but like, it's also, there's just like, a fair number of playable decks. Although, actually, I guess I guess what we'll discuss in a minute is how Mew is actually the only playable deck, and all of the decks are bad. Yeah, it's it's a weird meta because there are. It's kind of like there's one S tier deck, and then there's a couple decks that are clearly like right below it, and then there's a ton of decks that could be like tier two, tier three. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then the, so the last comment I had watching is a uh, thing was, uh, um. I recognize on the one hand, we're always telling people you should be more data-driven, you should be more data-driven, you should be more data-driven. But I realized watching him publish the results that like the downside of the kind of Celios, Zach Lashage system and the upside of Tords is like, I mean, there's, there's room for opinion. Like mm-hmm. what, I, what, I, what I didn't like about it was I realized like him telling me... Um, these are the decks that got good results last week is not really a list of the top 10 decks. It's a list of the top 10 decks that got good results last week. And like, there's an element of when you're watching the best Pokemon players talk about Pokemon, where like, you want to say this deck is underrated. This deck is overrated. Like this deck, if somebody just builds this deck, right, it's like the meme that wins. And, and that like, as you, as you drive down to, crunching retrospective numbers you you miss out on that like what i'd like is data driven explaining why like this deck should be better than it is or like this deck should be over indexing relative to the meta or or something right just like summing up results and saying this is how things went last week is like yeah it doesn't tell me what to play next week it just tells me what to play last week right right yeah that's true and but I mean, I guess that's like kind of the point. I I guess you could see either way. Like it's putting the onus on the the watcher, right? To be like, okay, it's your responsibility now to take this information and do something with it. So like in theory, it's making the watcher better if they're paying attention. But um, yeah, I don't know. Right, right. I mean, it's it, he's not he's not spoon like like you could say right. the result is he's not spoon feeding you what to play. Yeah. But like, isn't the point of watching top? top tier players on Pokemon talking about Pokemon <laughs> that they should like tell you what to play. I mean, I, you know, at the end of every pot, I'm always asking you guys, okay, what's the play this week? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, no, I mean, those are really good points. I think, I think this is in, I want to say this is in like one of Colin's six prizes articles that I like to reference a lot. The one he wrote sort of a really good um, like explanation on like rogue decks and like why, why to play rogue decks, like when to do it. Like, and, you know, and sort of like, I think had various like class designations, like the player who, you know, the player who plays rogue for the sake of playing rogue probably isn't going to win very many events, but, you know, something in there, or at least I think somewhere in there is the notion that like the best deck is not always the best deck you should, is not always the deck you should play like things like that. Like there's right. there, of course all these other, other sort of factors that goes into it. But yeah, those are all really good points on sort of a, I guess is the importance of like being critical in your data parsing. Like it's not, it's not just like a verbatim answer for you to copy and just be like, oh, Tord said it's the best deck. Why didn't I, why didn't I make top cut this weekend? Things like that is, 
you know, a little more work that goes into it. And I, again, you know, it's just another thing that sets the top players apart, the, the Azuls and the Tords from everyone else, because they're able to like, yeah, this deck might be the third best deck, but this is what I expected. These are the matchups. Like I'll be 50, 50 with this, things will go all right. So forth. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like uh, uh, you, when you look at the data from like Luke last week and from, from Zach this week, Mew is overwhelmingly the best deck. But I think the one thing we can all agree on is Grant Manley would not play Mew at a regional this weekend. <laughs> Michael Catron would not play Mew at a regional this weekend. Igor slash, you know, Jimmy RIP would not play Mew this weekend. Azul would probably not play Mew. Danny Altavia would definitely not play Mew. Like, the best players would probably be playing something else. Really? I think. I mean, I, I mean, we'll get into that, I think, but I think that's the question right now um, that the community is trying to answer is like, is Mew just that good? <laughs> maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe the moral story is Mew's so good uh, uh, that, that like there, there's just no alternative and you have to play it. I, you know, I assume it's, I assume, uh, uh, you know, uh, Grant would be like, I'm playing for a Veltal and nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going hard. <laughs> All right. I'm trying to pull up the uh the event that just happened where did it go like oh, so while, a... while you're pulling up i'll tell you the 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 comment i had from last pod that i forgot to uh, say it was like you know how they announced that whole like this v climax set that's coming mm-hmm. and all these new like character shiny rainbow like not rainbowy things i yeah. want to say i like that i'm a big big fan if people told me that pokemon collectors uh paid more money for the like cards that have awesome art versus it's a Charizard. I'd be like, I like that. I endorse it. You know, I, I might still not completely understand it, but I like it better than just blindly buying Charizards. The, all those are, all that art looks totally awesome. And I love Pokemon um, investing in art to try to make cards interesting instead of just printing another Charizard. Or both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a big fan of all the all the alt art stuff. It's really cool. Despite I've never liked the, as I'm sure we've hit this on the podcast before, but the diamond or not diamond, uh, rainbow rares, whatever the max rarities are, are just always unsightly. I can't imagine playing with those. I and mean, they're not they don't seem particularly interesting. Like they remind me of like the Burger King toys from the first movie, the like little gold plated like Pokemon. Right, like, right. I think it just sort of like it's it's distracting from the overall like aesthetic and sort of pleasing qualities that Pokemon often have. You know, it dumbs them down into monochrome or what have you. Yeah, totally, totally agree. And do do we have any comment on Jake Gearhart's professor research rant? Yeah, let's let's talk about it for a second. I mean, I think, I mean, I think there's maybe a couple a couple side or separate discussions in there, and I think maybe one of the questions is like. Like, I guess one could be like, is it surprising? Like, why would it be surprising that it's been reprinted when it's just like been reprinted like <laughs> consistently for so long now? But I did see, I, I don't know, I don't know who it is or his full Twitter. I think it's a Vinny or something like that. It had like a sort of a good response being like, it's just like, what would other decks do compared to Mew without research? Like, it seems like at least 
that's kind of the only way to maybe keep these other decks afloat when you've got Mew drawing so many cards per turn. Like, how could how can you keep up with Genesect if you don't have something? If you don't have, um, I don't know, like Professor Oaks, Research, even Cynthia. Um, but yeah, like I, I I understand the frustration as as it's one I often express, being just like disappointed that we're in this we're in the evergreen um, black and white format, generally speaking, um, at least with a lot of a lot of the cards. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't think it's bad for the game per se. Like it's it's just what Pokemon's become for so many years now. Like I don't know, it'd be like I don't know, just like something else being sort of like. Yeah, I, I lost. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> yeah. And we've talked about like how it would be nice. It, well, I guess we were talking a bit, talking about it in terms of Shauna, but it would be nice if like Cynthia shuffle draw six was part, was one of the, these evergreen supporters. Um, it's a little bit more fair, balanced, skillful. Um, but yeah, not surprising at this point this card draw seven is probably just going to be in the game forever. Uh, so I don't know. It doesn't seem worth complaining about. If it's I, just... I have this similar thoughts about, and I know I've expressed this before on the podcast, but I, I think part of just like, okay, hey, professor's research is boss's orders getting a reprint too. answer seems like probably. Um, and again, for me, it's kind of just like, a, it's evergreen. Like you'll go to base set. We've always had gust effects, like the notion that gust effects should be banned or something. It's just like, I don't know. It, to me, it's like a, you know, a core part of Pokemon's identity. And it's just sort of silly. Like I can, you can complain about the just sort of functional reprints again and again and again. And that's, that's separate from, I think the sort of like evergreenness, if that makes sense. Like like there's a laziness in design, but like Pokemon also at the same time, like has always been this way. So like, I don't quite under, like what, what is this game that you're imagining that like doesn't have boss, doesn't have research, like not a whole lot of formats out there that like don't sort of at least have like equivalent gust effects, equivalent draw supporters. I mean, at least in recent times, like, and as we always say, that's kind of what marks the current era for many years now compared to like the early EX eras that used to all be about like search and now it's about draw. Um, take it or leave it. Like um, it's just kind of how the game has obviously become. And we've been just for so long been on this like acceleration towards bigger and faster games, big more and more HP, faster and faster in games, so forth. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's talk about uh, let's talk about actual like playing with cards. Um, hey, Mew! It seems like it's a good deck. Yeah. So there was an event last night. Uh, how many people were in it? It was like almost four hundred people, and Mew got first, and third, and fourth, and fifth, and sixth. And seventh. <laughs> so it made up six out of the top eight winning the event. Uh, there's another like three or four in the top 16. So it's like it was 11 or 12 out of the top 16. All of the lists. I, I haven't checked every single one in the top 16, but all of them in top eight were the turbo version with Rotom Phone, Battle VIP Pass, Great Balls. Uh, and then all of them played... 
Meloetta in some capacity. Some played one, some played two. Um, the winning list played two. And I feel like Mew just kind of has it all now, now that we've started to figure out. And, that, and that's kind of the discussion that's been going on on Twitter is that um, with the inclusion of Meloetta and this turbo engine, the deck just seems to have everything. <laughs> Um, I think Little Dark Fury summed it up in a in a tweet. I don't know if you guys saw that, but uh, I did not. So here, here it says: list of things that Mew V Max has: free retreat cost, good typing, insane draw engine, energy acceleration supporter, a V Max immune attack, uh, electro power item, uh, a really good special energy, a self heal attack a shred attacks, so like getting through stuff and a single prize attacker. <laughs> so it's got all of those things going for it, um, which does make it quite hard to beat. I mean, another thing, just even from this format, I saw this earlier, another tweet from uh, Patrick Wall, Team Abra. Uh, of the six decks in top eight, Two played four mirror matches, three played five, and one played six. <laughs> and that over the course of 15 rounds, like, sounds fun. Yeah. And so part of this discussion as well is, um, is Mew a skillful deck? And at least my initial reaction is that I think Mew against all the other decks is actually pretty skillful. Um, and takes some planning you got to make sure you use the right attacks the right time and you don't want to play your vmax like you sometimes you want to force them to kill a vmax and then you don't play vmax down for a while you just kind of use the mu v and then play the second mu vmax down once they go to a, a single prize so there i think there is a lot of intricacy in a lot of the matchups but it seems like the mirror match is the least skillful matchup and well, that's going to be the matchup that you end up having to play quite a lot if you want to win an event. Guys, so one version of the question, I just sent you James G's deck list. He, he top 16 uh, the, the late night event. And like his deck list is the, is the only one that I found in the top 16 that was a different build. And I, I feel like it just kind of underscores how it's ridiculously powerful. Like the core engine is just so powerful. It's hard to say uh, how much stuff matters. Like he just run, he doesn't run the Meloetta. He just runs four Mu V, four V Max, four Genesect. The only supporter he runs is four Peony. <laughs> he doesn't even play the Fusion Strike energy. It's just he doesn't even play the Fusion Strike oh, energy. Man. He just runs one uh, 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 EXP share and says that'll be fine. That's uh, pretty funny. This list is upsetting. <laughs> like like this list is able to go 10-3-1. He went 3-1 against Jolteon uh decks. And he went 2-2 two, two versus the mirror, but both of his losses were to Isaiah Shevel. Mm -hmm. Uh yeah, like I, I look at this and I'm like, it looks like he was like, I don't have the cards, but like I have the 4-4. Four, four, Mu V and uh, Genesect. So like, we'll just put the cards I have in and see how it goes. And like, it went great. 
Yeah, that's pretty funny. It's just that just shows like the power, the raw power of the 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 cards, right? Yeah, yeah, like like the core engine. Oh, he runs. He ran four Pokemon catchers. Right. I mean, yeah. If you're not playing boss, you like have to do that, I guess. Well, he ran he ran four Pokemon catchers, four cross switchers. So he's playing. He's playing Peony, and he's grabbing like cross switchers and Pokemon catchers every turn. I mean, this is, it just seems like, like Clady P, but just better, like just so many levels better and more consistent. Like you're not just like rolling the dice with your discards and like, oh, there go my water. I guess I lose. Like there's no, there's no sort of like, uh, like lose condition from your turbo engine like Clady P had. It's, it's so strange to me that this is able to do as well, like relatively as well as the other lists, but I mean, that's, I mean, clearly, yeah, clearly there are, I think, early impressions of Mew were just wrong. Like, I, I'd be curious to see if we can adapt some. Like, I I suspect, like, Tord, Tord will just, like, continue to do fine with, like, Rapid Strike somehow or something like that. Or maybe I'll cross my fingers that that's the case. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At least I'll definitely say I was I was wrong about Mew. Like last week, I was a little cynical. Like that's good, but it's not Zoroark good. You know, some of the from some of the takes last week. But after after this, and even Azul posted a list that like um, like it wasn't playing any counter stadiums, and it seemed like maybe even better. Obviously, like you just you just playing lose to path, I suppose. But like that list just like seemed even a little faster sometimes than these lists can be. So. It's definitely, yeah, like, I mean, just as the tier lists all seem to indicate, you've got Mew, and then you've got everything else. I'm looking at the uh, uh, Rapid Strike Inteleon list that, like, top 16. He played four Mews and went one, two, one. Like, yeah, I guess... I feel like some people were going into the week thinking if you ran three Moltres, you might be able like like you kind of made the matchup more okayish. Doesn't seem like it though. <laughs> seem like it though. So I think actually the better way and Tord posted some screenshots of uh, it looked kind of like his old Rapid Strike Melanie list. I think the better way to approach that matchup is just try and kill three Genesex, and think you do that by you use an initial rapid strike VMAX, do 120 to two Genesex, and then use some pings. And then eventually you like you you metacham one of them and then telescopic sight puts him in to be able to kill the other two. Um, so that seems like a better strategy to to me. And you're just better against other things because you're not playing Moltres. <laughs> yeah. Uh the the fact that you rely on Yoga Loop to give you like an extra turn to like get ahead just speaks to the ah, when Rapid Strike Urshifu is not fast enough. Like it's tough times out there. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um and like the thing that the reason that that works too is because they they're not gonna want to attach energy to the Genesect. And so that's like a big reason why some of these Inteleon decks can struggle hitting math against Mew is because the fusion strike energy blocks the, the Inteleon pings. And yeah, it's, it's pretty annoying. But if you target Genesex, then, then you're good. 
so so let me just get it out of the way, guys. I, I sent I sent you my Mew question uh, uh, before we started. If the best deck in format is has four great balls and four VIPs and four Cramomatics and four Rotom phones and four random almost path to the peak counters, that's like a third of the deck. Is the moral of the story that like we're currently in a place where items are kind of bad, or like it really just doesn't matter. I mean, it's just like they can they can be bad because it doesn't matter. Like, because it's just like, oh, I'm just drawing cards anyways. Like, it's sort of like whether your 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 battle passes or your great balls or like find hits or even the cramomatics, like you just still draw a new hand every time. So it's like all part of your game either way, whether they're good or bad. That just like, I don't know. Genesec is just like what a mistake. Like, it just seems like an error that it's not once per turn. Like, it's just incredible to me. <laughs> now, wait, Brent, I'm a little confused on this question. Do you mean that, like, these cards are not good? And like, just, like, like so, so here's, here's what's interesting to me. Like, I look at, yeah, like, I, I just look at this and I, like, after turn one, when, when Battle VIP Pass uh, becomes less valuable, like, a third of your deck is, is literally, like, cards you're committed to burning and like what's funny i guess i just i look at these lists and i think uh these cards exist to either grab a boss or grab a switch or grab a quick ball like like there's like nothing else they're trying to grab right uh uh you know i mean is if if you weren't required to have 60 cards in your deck would you just play this deck with 40 cards <laughs> Like, I mean, I recognize, I like, I guess, I mean, obviously the beauty of Kermanatics, like, you get to pick the card, and, like, that's super good. So, so uh, I mean, maybe Kermanatic is just a really good card, and I'm not giving it nearly as much love as I should, but... Um, uh, it's not it, that good. It's weird <laughs> that, yeah, like, the four Great Ball, four Kermanatic, four Rotom Phone, like, those were the best cards we could find to put in this deck. <laughs> Man, it's a weird thing. Like, like maybe this is the other half of the, uh, you know, Pokemon not having, uh, uh, you know, like super big, uh, innovative ideas in terms of cards they print, but like, that's the best cards we got. I mean, I think to answer your question, I, I think yes. If, <laughs> if, if Mew could play with less cards, I don't know why it wouldn't. Like, and I'm trying to think about it. Like, that's a curious question. Like, how many decks would that be the case for? Um, and at least off the cuff, my inclination is not many. Like a lot of decks, at least decks that have been historically so dominant, like say Gardegallade or something like that, like it, it, it didn't have this power. I mean, for one, let's compare them. Telepass only once per turn, um, you know, of course, on top of being a stage two, things like that. But yeah, like I, I do think, I'm trying to think of really any other decks that, and I mean, like Night March, I suppose. I, I guess a lot of Battle Compressor decks probably would be fine um, if they could play with 40 or something like that. They'd probably be in a similar place, but maybe not. But yeah, I, I do think Mew probably could be fine playing less cards. Yeah, you um, know, I, I thought of that exact same example when uh, when I was thinking of the question is like, you know, some of these cards are kind of like Trainer's Mail. Like Trainer's Mail is a good card. Mm -hmm. It's like a, you know, an item-based supporter-y kind of thing. Let you look at cards. The one one thing at least to consider is I think Rotom Phone is actually a pretty like a really good card um, because 
especially in this deck, um, because you know it puts the card on top of your deck so you can immediately draw it with Genesect, but you can also choose to not immediately draw it and protect yourself against Marty or something like that. And I feel like that's especially valuable against Path to the Peak Marty decks. Um, so you might use like two or three Genesects and you don't really need to use like the third or fourth one. So you just Rotom Phone, you maybe have five cards in your hand, but then you don't use the last one and you just leave the card on top of your deck. So I think Rotom Phone of, of all of these, I think is actually good. The rest I agree with that they're kind of, eh, I can do without them. So guys, if you if you were playing tomorrow, uh, is there a strategy for beating Mew or do you just have to go all in on the Mew? I'm not aware of any reliable counter strategy. Um, like we've sort of said, we said last week, and I poked around a little, like in results, and like Suicune Ludicolo can beat it sometimes. But um, I mean, and that, that's a deck that like isn't just a, like a hard counter that has fine matchups across the board. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure. It's like I don't know. I, I played a little bit and talked to lay about um because he and Vinny both had some success this last week with like ice rider which we talked about being really bad but of course with lay it's all about the hammers um, <laughs> so and like they're okay against mew like and it's like four hammer to um fan of wave so it's like it's not bad and i think it you have a really good uh, single strike matchup because of all that but um i I, yeah, I mean, I would just play Mew, I'm sure, and hope to be okay in the mirror. I am still interested in Obstagoon a little bit. Um, I only played a couple of games with this this week, and I more than once made the mistake of sending up my Zigzagoon act. Well, wait, wait, wait. I, I keep getting... Even when I'm talking about it now, I keep getting Obstagoon's attack mixed up. I keep thinking it's like a Galissapod attack or a Rapid Strike attack where you have to move from the bench. But it's actually that if your opponent has damage counters on it, somehow I have to like get that through my head. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I've, I haven't realized that a couple times and it's messed me up. Um, but I think Obscune is still pretty solid. Uh, I would like to play the matchup against Mew a little bit more. Uh, I'm pretty interested in the Malamar deck as well. So the Rapid Strike Malamar deck got second yesterday. It's a pretty straightforward deck. I mean, it's a lot of sequencing. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, but it's a pretty fun deck. You know, I, I played it a little bit back um, two formats ago, like when it first came out. And it was, it's always been pretty fun deck to play. So uh, I might try to play that a little bit more. Um, see how that goes. Yeah. And what about uh, like Ross's deck? I mean, that, and this might be a good segue to talk about it a little bit. I don't think it's we've brought it up yet. We should yeah. talk about Ross's deck. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Ross's deck, for those that don't know, is a, it's like a dark single prizer at Inteleon deck. So it plays an Inteleon line. It plays a two or three baby Galarian Moltres. And it plays a bunch of Hoopas. The Hoopa that does have a Glissopod Rapid Strike S attack where it can only use it when it comes active. Um, and 
I forget who tweeted it. I think it was Tate, right? When it came out, it was was so funny where he he was like, somehow Ross has made another deck that doesn't do anything at all, but it's still very good (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) Um, And that is how it feels like when you play it, just you feel like you're not doing anything the whole game. And then you're like, oh, I could actually win from this spot. Um, I think the deck is okay. Um, I've beat it with Mew every single time that I've played the matchup, but it's always been pretty close. Um, because since they play Inteleon and they're playing these low HP Pokemon, you can get knockouts with um, Mew V and his attack. So you can very much force them to take eight prizes, essentially. And by doing that, you kind of uh, just win. You can just win the prize trade, which is a little awkward. So the fact that I think it's not actually that good against... Mew, or I mean, it's like, it's fine against Mew. I don't think it's like bad against Mew. It's probably like 50-50-ish, but if it's only 50-50, it's probably not that good, if that makes sense. Uh, um, so I know it plays it plays training court as the stadium. And like, that makes sense because you need so much energy in your hand to do Galarian Moltresy stuff. Uh, how much does Path of the Peak give you an opportunity to win? Like, like, do you think the the deck that like somehow overcomes Mew has to have Path of the Peak? Um, personally, yeah, I do think <laughs> uh, you're either like, mm, I don't know, I feel like I feel like you can attack it from the weakness perspective, but Mew has counterplay to the weakness perspective. Um, by going this strategy of like attacking with Mu V and you know for, again forcing eight prizes, um, but yeah, like, any- like I, I looked at Ross's deck and I was like, it just seems like it's um, uh, uh, a one trick pony designed to beat Mew by attacking with like dark single prize attackers that are easily powered up. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 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 Exactly. So like, if you can force if if they play bad and they play down two Mu V Max the dark decks are like going to win all the time, but mm, any good Mew player will not play their second VMAX down until later in the game. I guess that's the thing. Right. What about Beedrill? We haven't hit uh, Jolty on Beedrill yet either. That's sort of the only other, I mean, worthwhile thing potentially, or at least the only thing that like, I think it was Danny's tier list that was Mew, in tier S, and then tier A was Gengar and Jolteon Beedrill, and then everything else was a pile. Yeah, talk to me about Jolteon Beedrill, because I, I don't, I'm like, I feel like this is not really, uh, uh, like, people haven't really seen this. Yeah, I don't understand this at all. What is it? What does Beedrill do? If your opponent attacked Pokemon's any special energy, it's knocked out. Okay. And then you, you mustard it out, right? It, mustard is like Archie's and Maxi's, right? Uh, I think it's from the deck, though. Oh. How do you get your hand down that? Yeah, I mean, I guess, I assume it's pretty hard. I've been, like, it does seem good to me, because I remember when Mahone, um, not Mahone, Mahone's, I'm, I'm getting people confused here, posted about it, um, like, a week or two ago, and being, like, that was sort of my my question, reading it, like, yeah, that's clearly good, but it doesn't seem 
super reliable to have your your hand down to zero. And like I know you can you do have some agency in planning it out with your Drizzles and Intellion and so forth, but I'm I'm curious. Like I haven't played it, so I shouldn't be like too critical, but it, it doesn't seem terribly reliable. Okay, so he plays they play four Chromomatic and they play the Galarian Meowth that lets you discard two cards from your hand. Oh yeah, yeah. So I guess that it could be pretty reliable, but you're giving up a lot to fit this whole package in, right? You're playing a terrible card in Meowth. You're playing two Beedrills, which maybe Beedrill is good in other matchups too. I could see it being okay. But like playing four Cramomatic and two Mustard, like it's a, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of space to dedicate to, uh, to this. Seems cool. I haven't tried it at all, so I, I don't want to speak too negatively of it, but I am a little skeptical that it's uh, actually good. Uh, you know, I, I feel like this is the kind of thing where it might be better partnered with, like, a Zoroarky thing. Having mm-hmm. never played any games with it, like, I recognize there's some Zoroark toolboxy thing that people like Sander are working on, and you're like, that would be a way to, like, kind of get the Beedrill out. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder how it. Why is Jolteon the choice of partner? That's a good question. Um, here, like Jolteon's a pretty good at card and attacker, but there's no there's no like obvious synergy going on. There's no obvious Beedrill wins these matchups and Jolteon wins these matchups. Jolteon is already like not terrible against Mew, so. And they win in very different ways. Like Beedrill is trying to kill two Mew VMAXs, but if you're attacking with Jolteon against Mew, you're trying to kill um, at least one Genesect, maybe even three Genesects. So the way they approach the matchup is quite different. Hmm. What else could Beedrill be good at? I mean, anything kind of with that discard engine and Inteleon, it could be played in. Like, I'm not sure how many other decks that count would count for without sort of radically changing the way the deck is built. But I would think, like, it could go. There's got to be, like, a, a way to, like, maybe focus, like, a single prize attacker deck that has the Beedrill as an option. Like, I don't know if Ross's deck would be able to do anything like that. I suspect no, but, like, I do think that it would probably to me it's, it's it strikes me as being most likely to be good in a in a tool a single price toolbox if, if such a thing is even able to be competitive a good thought something something low maintenance mm-hmm. would be good so like suicune is probably the most low maintenance v so could be an interesting option there the fact that you need to play grass energy though sucks like for anything like grass is a bad type. Like if there was a good, there's a good grass deck already, it would make things a lot easier. Leafion. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. There's Le- Actually, maybe that makes some sense because Leafion's really bad against Mew and uh, Beedrill could beat Mew. Yeah, that actually doesn't sound too bad because you are, yeah. <laughs> you, you're not sort of ruining your deck by having to play grass energy for it on top of the whole sort of combo package. Yeah, maybe that's not so bad because Leafeon, I don't actually know how things have changed since Gengar is sort of the star of single strike, but I do know in the previous format, Leafeon had a really good single strike matchup and it's probably still fine. 
probably still pretty good, I would think. Gengar has three retreats, so that's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got to be great. <laughs> yeah, three, four, five. I think that means you one-shot one it with some pings. Okay, all right. Maybe we just uh, maybe we just broke the format here. Some Leafeon, VMAX, Beedrill action. I know Alex Schmansky just posted an article about Leafeon Moltres, right? Mm -hmm. But this seems better than that. Beedrill. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm very, very cynical of Moltres. I just, it's too slow, like far too slow. Like I, I think it was maybe worth... Um, worth it when we were when we were talking about shadow rider being like a three energy attacker that in and of itself isn't doing a ton of damage from the get-go um and in, in that world i think the the i'll just play galarian Moltres and i'll beat dark week decks like things have just changed significantly early uh, you know the crazy thing about shadow rider is i mean shadow rider had a a super powerful pokemon based draw engine but i feel like I mean, maybe I should go back and listen to our old pods, but I don't think we were talking about how they're just going to play boss every turn and like one shot whatever they want, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're There's like, a... that's a thing now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, just think of how many cards Mew can draw compared to Shadow Rider in a turn. Like Shadow Rider maxes out at like six, and that's if they have three Shadow Riders. And they, they can only start drawing six at like turn two at best, realistically like turn three they're gonna draw six cards a turn and genesect's like i'm gonna draw 10 cards on turn one 12 cards on turn one and then for every single turn i'm drawing 10 cards if i want <laughs> right, right i mean you no, nobody was ever like let's cut the supporter counts to just be bosses right <laughs> in, in the shadow rider and yeah and and i like you know battle vip pass i'm sure people would have been like is this good it helps you get a bunch of shadow riders on your deck but like you still had to have other stuff. This is like, it's a self-sustaining engine. You just, you find one battle via VIP pass, you win the game. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, yeah, and going back to Moltres, like, it takes three energy. You can only attach two in a turn to it unless you play Raihan. And so Genesex, like, they're just going to kill you. They're just going to boss it up and kill the Moltres before you get to attack with it. So yeah, I agree. It doesn't seem all that good. Um, uh, uh, Mike, no, no tournaments uh, this past week. No tournaments. I felt like you were about to go on a run there, man. I know. So I would have played the Sunday open, but it was expanded and I was not touching that. Um, I am signed up to play. Oh, wait, did I already start? I missed it. <laughs> go, 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 go uh, flip, flip over and see if you're about to play round one. No, no, it's uh, it's already uh, round one's already started. I was gonna play Sunny's event, but uh, yeah, it started ten like twenty minutes ago. That's okay. <laughs> I totally forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> I signed we up. We would have played the first round on stream. Here we go. <laughs> I signed up like four or five days ago because he uh, they cap it at sixty four people, but it's a nice event because it's just Swiss and not top cut, so it doesn't go that late. Um, and it's only 64 people, but, uh, I signed up like five days ago cause it usually fills up and, uh, totally, literally, totally forgot. So All right. Like All right. Maybe I'm I'll done. play, maybe tomorrow night we'll play. We'll see. Tough, tough times. I just saw uh, a friend of the pod cash loses round one. 
Mm. He's playing Suicune Ludicolo, and he loses to out uh, Mew. <laughs> Mew with one Pumpkaboo. This guy's got the crazy text. That's interesting. One Pumpkaboo? It's like Marshadow, right? Yeah, it, it discards the stadium. Oh, that, that one, that one, that one. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, right, right, right. yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah, this guy's got the okay. wacky deck. You got, you that seems pretty good, actually. Wait, why aren't Mewless playing that? That seems really good. You have the four fog crystal. You have all this, like, item search for a thing. That seems actually way better than this. Way better than just the kind of arbitrary counter gyms. Uh, yeah, yeah you, you know what? And this guy, this guy ran no stadiums. Okay, well, that seems bad. But I do like the uh, the, the Pumpkaboo. I'm going to try. I'm going to put that in my list over one of the stadium cards. That seems good. And then he ran double Leon. Yeah, it's got to be better because it's like, I mean, obviously, like you just said, it's searchable. None of your others are just plainly searchable with a card that's just always useful. Yeah. What do we? How bad of a start? Like, a, how, how bad is, is your prize game? Like, should you start with it? Yeah, probably. It's probably fine. I mean, like you said, a lot of a lot of it, a lot of the matchups seem to be just killing three Genesects, and that doesn't obviously doesn't get in the way of that. Yeah, and you can just like bump your own stadium too. Like if you play your own stadium, you just you know use it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so you could draw more too. Yeah, that seems great. Yeah. Okay. So between Leafeon, Beedrill, and Pumpkaboo Mew, we've made some serious competitive strides this episode. All amazing part in the books. Thank you. I might go walk his dog. We know the important stuff. <laughs> That's probably what I'll